You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. It's me, Jay Onright. It's the Jay and Dan podcast for Monday, August the 3rd, 2020. I'm pretty sure I have that date right. We are back here in the studio. So the audio may sound a little bit different than it has the past, uh, I don't know, 17 weeks uh, that we were doing the podcast uh, in our basement and in our kitchen. But I think overall this will be better because what you won't get on this podcast is my Wi-Fi going down in the middle of a Tom Green interview, and then subsequently uh, the embarrassment of us having to rehook the Wi-Fi up and try to figure that out. So bottom line is uh, we're here in the Jane Dan studio, the television studio in beautiful downtown Scarborough across from the mall, of course. That's where we're located. And we just returned to studio Sunday night, last night. And I got to say, it was a triumphant return. We had so much fun. We even introduced our brand new producer, Tim, uh, social distancing approved highlight delivery machine, which is essentially two poles with a fishing line in between the two poles. Not fishing poles, but long poles that you almost like you'd put a stop sign on. And then you, we've got the fishing line in between the poles and we send the script from one side, one pole to the other pole. They're six feet apart. So that way, uh, all the staff is staying six feet away from me because my health and safety is the most important thing to the, to the health of this show, right? We're, we're already down a host. We can't be down two. <laughs> anyway, guys, this is the Jane Dan Podcast brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Let's crack open that and uh, get energized because you may remember... On last week's podcast, we had Don Taylor on, longtime host, Sports Page, Sportsnet Connected, Sportsnet Central, um, Connected Central, Sportsnet News. There were a lot of different names for the shows that Don hosted over at Sportsnet over the 15 years he was there. Don was sensational, and I really appreciate your feedback. Another thing I wanted to mention very quickly, Clay Terrio, Clayton Terrio, shout out to you. You had me on uh, your podcast I believe it was called Hot Take with Cognizant Clay. Go check it out. I was on his podcast a couple of weeks ago. Clay, very cool guy. Um, you got to check out his podcast. So, Clay, shout out to you. Thank you for listening. And thanks to everybody who's been giving us such great feedback over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. I shot a very cool um, thing this past week. I'm a new cast member on the Treehouse show, Miss Persona. Miss Persona. I play the sports reporter on Miss Persona. Chester Butterfield. I work for Tree TV in, uh, in the Fix It Up Forest. And I got to say, the whole experience was wonderful. So those episodes, if you're someone who has little kids and you watch Treehouse, you'll be able to see those episodes of Miss Persona. They come out this fall on Treehouse. I'm, an, I'm a cast member of another show. So if this doesn't work out, if this show doesn't work out, and to be honest, over the last few months, there's been some touch and go moments. I've got a backup gig on Treehouse, so I'm very happy about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I want to shout out and thank everybody, including Miss Persona, for having me on. Now, this is an exciting moment, because last week we had Don Taylor on. We were talking about Mike Toth. Mike decided not to come on. We're talking about guys who have hosted the classic global half-hour sports shows, the sports highlight shows. And in the Ontario region, 
those hosts were Jim Taddy and Mark Hebsher. And we're going to call Mark Hebsher now because we want to speak to Hebsey about his time hosting Sportsline all those years, so influential to so many people who watched uh, sports TV over that time. I want to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about the bubbles. We're going to talk to him about baseball. Baseball's a total disaster. Everybody's got COVID. It's a nightmare. Um, we won't be able to see him, though, because we're going to call him on the telephone, the telephone, as opposed to Skyping him. Uh, we're having some Skype issues in Scarborough, but we're going to uh, figure that out for future use. One other thing is I'm doing my own makeup on the show, and i got to tell you, it's a disaster. Like, I've got my hand up to my face right now, and if you're watching the video portion of the pod, you can see hand, normal skin color, face looks like Donald Trump uh, without the wicked, wicked comb-over. Though, believe me, that's coming. I should say that my face literally blends into our beautiful background, which is a bright uh, amber, uh, sort of an orange color. Uh, so there you go. Oh, I heard a hang-up. Did Hebsey hang up on us? It's not no, important. I'm here. Oh, Hebsey, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Oh, yes. I'm so excited to talk to you, my friend. We were I was talking about you with, uh, with our mutual friend Don Taylor last week. We were discussing all the half-hour global sports highlight shows, and he mentioned that they, they relied on you pretty heavily at Sports Page in Vancouver. They relied on you guys to deliver some of that Toronto sports news. Um, first of all, how they stole are they? everything? They stole everything from us. They stole everything from you guys. Do you really feel that way, Hepsi? Do you feel like maybe, maybe uh, not just Don, uh, but Dan, myself, maybe everybody's stealing a little bit from you and Jim? Are we? Uh, is, this, is this being recorded right now? Or is this <laughs> off the record? <laughs> this is all recorded. We've got it all recorded. Uh, yeah, I think we were upset, maybe. You were you you weren't you weren't upset. I mean, you guys you guys were the originals here in Ontario. I still you know so many people who work with me here at TSN still consider you guys the gold standard. That does that make you feel good or does that make you feel old? It makes me feel good. That's good. That's very. Uh, good. It makes me feel uh, that we did something mm. that caught on and other people liked it and copied it, made it better polished it, put their own stamp on it. But basically, they're having fun. The same, and the presentation is the same as when we did it however many years ago it was. And when you're talking about, can you tell me a little bit about how you guys came together? People always ask, you know, Dan and myself, well, how did you guys end up uh, deciding to work together? For us, it was completely uh, random. Like, they just said, okay, you two are doing the 2 a.m. show, end of story, and it just happened to work out. Was it similar with you and Jim? Oh, I think we got drunk together. And I, I, honest to God, I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. We had known each other. Uh, I was working in radio, and we both knew about the show Sportsline. I know he had gone to Global. He was working with Bob McCallum for a while. I was doing radio, a very successful phone-in show, very controversial phone-in show, uh, where there was a lawsuit every week against me for slander. <laughs> Do you miss those so our days? Boss, I guess uh, the guy at Global, Ray Hurd, said, let's, let's get this guy Hebsher. He's a real <laughs> disturber. <laughs> let's put him together with Taddy. And what do you think, Jim? And so Jim, you know... Hustled me one night, I guess, and got me drunk and took advantage of me. He said, come on, we'll do this. 
I said, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. What does it pay? And it was like twice as much as I was making radio. <laughs> it was easy. And for you, uh, had you never done TV before that, Mark? I had done some. I had actually, Tom Cheek was the one, the late Tom Cheek, um, had suggested to me that I try to do some television. And I had done a couple segments of Wide World of Sports on CTV, uh, motocross racing, and I can't even remember what the other event was. Uh, and Tom had seen it and said, man, you got to go into television. What are you wasting your time with radio for? So, on TV. So he really encouraged me because I didn't think I was the type to be on television. And so he encouraged me. Other people like, hey, that sounds great. And was, Jim was easy to work with, right? You know, I knew him. And it was like two guys sitting in the basement making fun of the sport highlights, which we used to do anyway. <laughs> and what about the chemistry? Was it, um, you mentioned that you, you did know each other, but it's a little different than working with each other every night. And you guys had such a such a captive audience at that time because there was no internet. There was like people were literally relying on you guys for the information about sports that day. So there was a little more, maybe a little more pressure on you at that time. Well, there was a lot of pressure. Let me tell you, you had to come up with a fantastic show every night. You had to be better than Brendan Connor and Michael Landsberg on TSN. You had to be better than John Wells, better than Jim Van Horn. You know, you had to be better than Peter Watts. You had to be better than Rod Smith, right? You had to be better than Terry Liable. You had to be better than every single on-air person there. If I miss someone, I apologize. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure on us for sure. And we made a lot of money for Global. The show really took off. And uh, uh, I guess we took a lot of flack too from people who it just wasn't the, the way sports was done. What are you guys doing? La laughing? I'm not supposed to be laughing. What are you, what are you giggling about? <laughs> what, what's with this? What, who makes nicknames like that? That's not his nickname. His nickname is Red or his nickname is Lefty. Whatever. And so it was very irreverent. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people really disliked the format, which made the people that liked it uh, even more passionate, if you know what I mean. And... For you, um, how much, you know, people always ask us, well, how much is scripted? How much is unscripted? You know, everything's scripted until, we all say everything's scripted until the red light goes on, and then it, it's sort of unscripted from there. Was it similar with you guys? Did you get to a point where you could, where you could come in at, at 11.29 and, and just roll with it? Not quite. Uh, but I will say this. I think when we started doing it, the idea of, rolling in a shot live that no one had seen as soon as it happened on a game that was going on in Chicago. And at the time, there were no IFBs. There were no earpieces. And so it was the studio director that would relay to you in person. Like, you know, oh, wow. He would, he would, you know, point to a camera or, you know, give you some kind of signal that there was a highlight coming. And literally, in the middle of a show, they would roll in. You'd see, oh, here, here we are in Chicago. I don't know what's going on, but let's take a look. And we would have to call the play-by-play -play right? because they would have just recorded the goal, wound back however many seconds, you know, enough time, and then I'll just throw it on the show. So it, it really was on the fly. It's so funny you said that because we literally did that on our show last night. On our midnight show, uh, Minnesota scored to make it 2-0 over Vancouver, and we rolled in that 2-0 goal by Jared Spurgeon. And I was talking to Don about this last week, and I've talked to Michael Landsberg about this before. Landsberg used to say to me when I started here behind the scenes 
that he absolutely loved when things like the teleprompter would go down. Oh, or, yeah. Right? He, he loved to prove just how great a broadcaster he was. And he, he really was. It, you know, it, it allowed you to be yourself. I mean, you know, I, I remember vividly uh, the tape rolling backwards on one of the shows. The playback operator hit rewind, <laughs> and the highlights went backwards. And I instinctively went, to make it sound like my voice was going backwards. Yeah. And then Jim, Jim chimed in or started to laugh. And by the next commercial break, we had turned our sports jackets inside out. And we're wearing them inside out because it was reverse night. It ended up being just a, you know, a cluster blank. And we just rolled with it. It was like one of those things. And when did you guys realize how big the show was there a moment where you realized, holy crap, like we are, we are stars in this market. We got it. There was. We, we were pretty sure. We knew about Toronto, and we had read our own clip, press clippings in the Toronto newspapers. And, and you know, our colleagues and, and friends and such were like, hey, you know, the show is good. You guys are good. So we enjoyed that. But we, I don't think either one of us had any idea what our reach was like outside of Toronto. And so Jim and I did an event once in Ottawa. I'm thinking a couple years into the show maybe three years and we're doing this thing in Ottawa and we, we, we do our work and then we go out for dinner and we say to the guy at the restaurant, where's the place where we can watch the game, the Leaf game. He tells about, tells us about a bar down the street where half of it is the Habs fans and half of it's Leaf fans. <laughs> Great. So we go. And I swear to you, Jay, we walk into the place and it's like two gunslingers have just walked into the saloon <laughs> wanted dead or alive right <laughs> and like the doors are creaking behind us and everyone stops and turns around and is staring at us and for a second i, I looked at jim and i go holy they all know who we are they all watch the show they had that look in their eyes like oh my god those two guys that we watch every night just walked into our our bar here <laughs> and it's a nice and we feeling. found out that they all watched sports line they all got global as well on their channel grid and we thought they all watched the local ottawa stations to get ottawa stories but i guess not well and like ottawa and correct me if i'm wrong did ottawa have their own version of sports line because there were so many different no no no, no 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 they didn't no so they ottawa were... did not have their own local show the ottawa uh, i mean they had a national show out of ottawa but the, the local news no global didn't run local news in ottawa so you know, Don Taylor talked last week about the fact that they would, of course, get, you know, Toronto-based news from you guys. And my first on-air job was at Sportsline in Saskatoon after Roger Millions and Pete Labardius had left. And it was such a fun gig. And I was, by then you had moved on, but I was lucky enough to get, you know, you guys just fed all these sports lines all across the country. You guys were, were feeding them with all this, with this news, all this information. And it was sort of like this synergy across the country. But there was nothing quite like that half-hour show, was there? Like, because it was just, there was no room for filler, basically. No. You know, I remember we would have 55 items in 30 minutes. We would have 20 seconds of highlights from every NBA game. Uh, and maybe a minute from the, from the big game of the night. Maybe 45 seconds. And by then, the Raptors hadn't existed. And... Um, NHL, we tried, you know, any game that was available. Um, and even if it wasn't, we would hire sometimes a cameraman in the local market if it wasn't being televised to shoot highlights. Right. 
So we were known as the place. And the parents of every single NHL player had a satellite dish that could get global up on the satellite, the Anik D2 satellite. I love you know, that. A priest in New Jersey walks up to me. Hi, Mark. I'm like, oh, hello, Father. Uh, I just wanted to say that I think you and Jim do a great job. You never missed a show. Where are you from, Father? He goes, well, Passaic, New Jersey. I'm like, oh, and you watch global? He goes, oh, we get it on the satellite. This was another moment where it's like, oh, oh. They watch it all over. And then you, um, at any point before you left, and you left to go to radio to do Argos, is that right? Argos and Leafs. Yes. And so before you left, where was your, what was your mindset, Mark? Like, were you, were you ready to just keep doing it forever? Was it, no. a, was the radio an thing an opportunity that just came on your lap? What, how did it all go down? Well, at the time, there, there was a lot going on. First of all, I've been doing it for 11 years. And I, I, I look back now, I probably was burned out from working um, those hours. But also, during the last seven years, I also did Leaf games. I was the host of Leaf Hockey on Global. Right. So we would do 30, 35 games a year, many of them on the road. And I had a young family. And as you know, Jay, when you've got young kids, you can't be going away for two weeks and then home for five days and gone for a week and then home for three days it's very upsetting yeah it's Difficult. tough and so um that that it became a grind it became difficult to do uh, and stay up until midnight and be sharp every night or later um and so i, I guess i was ready to move on and an opportunity came to do play-by-play -play of the leafs and play-by-play -play of the argos and i had always wanted to do play-by-play -play. for you was it what was the experience like? Not, I'm not talking about how it went career-wise. I'm just talking for you personally. Did, was it everything that you had dreamed it would be? What's that, sports line? Uh, no, uh, doing play-by-play -play when you finally got to do it. Oh, no, not at all. No, it was hard. Did you regret How soon did you regret? Did you have regret instantly, or did you regret it a, a year in? Where, where did you realize that maybe you hadn't made the right choice? Well, the first thing I did after I left Global after 11 years was I was the morning sports guy on Q107 and 640, and I did play-by-play -play for the Argos, who played like 18 games or whatever that year. I right. think they went 1-17 in 17 my first year. They were terrible. Right. Terrible. And I, had to, and I had to do all their games. I had to do games in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, Jay, yes. There were 800 people maybe in a place that sat 80,000. Yeah, you, were right. you, you basically joined them right in the middle of the American expansion. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It really wasn't. <laughs> I mean, when they measured the end zone at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis for the Memphis Mad Dogs Toronto Argonauts game, they realized that the end zones, if you included the entire CFL side field, were only seven and a half yards deep. Oh, man. <laughs> All those corner patterns were tough. That's terrifying to think of guys running into the end zone and having nowhere, yeah. nowhere to go. And the other thing was, the press box was on the equivalent of the ninth floor of a building. Right. And I called, you know, some games, but never from that far away. Right. So I had to have binoculars on. Oh, man. And I've got a spotter with me, but unfortunately the spotter doesn't know anything about the Memphis Mad Dogs because they're <laughs> new in the league and he's new too. Spider. <laughs> and I'm going, what am I doing here? But what about the Leafs? What about the Leafs aspect of it? Well, the lead part was I was supposed to do play-by-play, -play, which was, again, my dream to be play-by-play of the Leafs. Yep. Joe Bone had been doing play-by-play. -play. Um, uh, apparently, my boss got, uh, at the very end, after my contract was signed, the boss was told on no uncertain terms, 
that I would not be doing play by play, that it would be Joe and I'd be doing color. So but that was disappointing. Yeah. But I understood, but at the same time, I really, I didn't sign up for color because I'm not an ex-player. I don't, I can't really offer that much insight as the second banana color man type of thing. And Joe had been doing the games for many years, and Joe's the number one, right, all the way. And it's funny that you say, see, most, most guys would just plow through with, you know, they would just plow through and just, just fake it. And I love that you're so self-aware that you were like, no, I can't. This isn't what I want to do. This isn't no. what I'm good at, you know? I mean, uh, so. And then eventually, Jay, you know, the sports business, the landscape started to change before my very eyes. And I think I was smart enough to have the foresight to know what direction it was going in. You did that for a while. Where did you go after that? Where, what was your next stop? Uh, my next stop after that was, oh, it was um, Headline Sports, which became The Score, which became Sportsnet 360, which yeah. became Sportsnet 720, <laughs> which became Sportsnet Now, I which became I, The Score, which became The Score again. Now, when you went there, it must have been a, that must have been a fascinating thing, too, because there was a time when... Uh, Kind of when the internet was starting to find its footing, but just before that, when the score or headline sports, whatever it was at the time, yeah. was really a great sir. I mean, I watched it all day long. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah. And let me tell you, look, uh, guys like Elliot Friedman, Steve Coolius, yep. Greg Sansoni, uh, myself, I mean, uh, Tom, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of people that, you know, got their start there. I was on the downside of my career in that I had done major anchoring and stuff like that. But it was a fun place. And let me tell you, the summer of 80, of 98, the summer of McGuire and Sosa was so exciting that summer on headline sports, because every at bat, you know, I'd be breaking in or Coolius would be breaking in or Sansoni going, all right, Mark McGuire's coming up for St. Louis. He's on 62 home runs. It was an amazing time. I was, that was when I was in Saskatoon at Sportsline. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how much fun that summer was. Sure, they were all jacked up on roids, but it was fun at the time, Mark. Exactly. <laughs> it was so much fun. Think about it. You forgot about any labor strife, any of that nonsense. It was pure sport. Where uh, I'm going to take in a little different direction, then I'll go back. Ba since we're talking about baseball, I'd love to get your thoughts on what baseball is going through right now. we got another bunch of guys testing positive. Uh, today, it just seems like they... What I don't understand, Mark, is you, they were the first kind of to propose a bubble. They, they were, baseball was the first to say, well, we could do it all in Arizona. Um, they've got the spring training facilities. There's no fans in the buildings anyway. I'm, I'm not sure why they couldn't have just done it at their spring training facilities. I realize Florida's a total hotbed of COVID, but... It, it just baffles me that they, just, that they thought this method would work. Well, it's all about leadership. And I, you know, Rob Manfred, it's pretty obvious that he is a, a, a bumbling incompetent. He's worse than Roger Goodell ever was. And their relationship with the Players Association, like, Jake, I've been watching games, I don't even recognize what the sport is. There have been so many rule changes, and now you're adding a 60-game schedule, and you're going to postpone three, four games in a row. And at the end of the season, no way are all teams going to play, have played the same number of games. So you're going to have to base it on winning percentage. And, and, and what are they waiting for? Like, you have how many outbreaks? There's 16 on Miami and seven more in St. Louis. I mean, what are you waiting for? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, they're gonna try to plow through, but I just, I think it's gonna get to the point where they're gonna have no choice but to shut down. Meanwhile, you watch, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you've seen so far from the NBA and NHL. Do you like what you see? Do you like the product on TV? Yeah. I think they were really smart to do this. I think um, for the player's standpoint, it would be easy for a player to say, sure, I can play in front of no fans, but you have to have some energy in the building. And I think what they provided is pretty darn good, all things considered. And in the NBA, yeah, the same thing. I mean, however you're going to do it, virtual fans, but some type of experience. Um, it seems to be working as far as the conditioning of the players, from what I could tell, um, you know, I would rather the NHL would have started back with, with regular season games, even if it was a couple weeks worth, yeah. like the NBA. Right. Going right into the playoffs, it's hard, man. That's tough. Yeah. Especially tough, I think, for a young team. I think that's a really good point. You know, they, they and you, you know, and I bet you if you talk to them now, um, you know, after a week, of, they all play one exhibition game, they they come up, I bet you if you talk to them now, they would they would 100% agree with what you're saying. They'd love to play just a couple of weeks. Just like you said, just like the NBA. Play 10 seeding games or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Um, what, are you watching, what do you watch on a regular basis now? Like, has it changed over the years? So you mentioned you wanted, you did Argos play-by-play. -play. Are you still a CFL fan? Do you, no. do you see any chance of us having a season? Do you see any chance of the CFL regaining no. any footing in, in tr the city of Toronto ever again? You know, Jan, I'm really sorry about this. This is one of the big divides, I think, between Toronto, and I was born and raised here in the media in Toronto, uh, and I worked for a Toronto-based station, even though it was an Ontario station. We were not national at all. Right. My expertise is Toronto. I never professed to know anything about Winnipeg. Or Saskatchewan, you know, Saskatoon or Regina or Winnipeg. I don't. I'm sure, the pe I mean, people I've met, lovely. But I don't have a vested interest. I don't have my guts and my soul in Calgary Flames hockey or Edmonton Eskimos football or Winnipeg Jets hockey. I just don't. Right. And so when people come from out west, like they did when TSN started, and, and they hired a bunch of people from out west, these people were interlopers as far as we were concerned. What do you guys know about Toronto? Well, then they're Edmonton Oilers fans or whatever. They don't know anything of the history of the Argos. They didn't live through all the Leafs, Harold Ballard years. Yeah. And so a lot of people took it kind of way. Who are, and you had to prove yourself. But again, you guys were talking to a national audience. And on Global and on Channel 9 in Toronto and, uh, you know, um, even CHCH in Hamilton. You talked about the local teams. Nobody cared about Winnipeg, unless you were from Winnipeg. So I think that's a bit, and I just, so I don't think the passion in, the, in, in CFL football in the East is anywhere near what it like in the West. And it hasn't been for, for 50 years. Do you think it could work in Atlantic Canada? I do. I, do. I don't know why the CFL mandated a 25,000-seat stadium. Why not 17-5? Right. How big is Pep Stadium in Quebec City? Right. Yeah, get Quebec City. They love yeah, Canadian like, football. Get Quebec City into the league, sure. Well, yeah, wouldn't you rather see a full stadium of 15,000 in Moncton or Halifax and 15,000 in Quebec City and, and 20,000 in Toronto? Why does it have to be these big numbers? I, I think the size of attendance at professional sporting events today is going to shrink for a number of reasons. COVID is one, but the other one is you want a more intimate experience 
Yeah. And twenty to twenty-five thousand fans is, is okay in my book. Doesn't have to be fifty thousand. I agree with you hundred percent. You know, my one of my maybe my favorite baseball stadium, Major League Stadium, is PNC Park, and I think it's maybe a little bigger than Fenway. Like it's one of the smallest stadiums. Yeah, thirty-four thousand or something. Right. It's it's so intimate, and it's so when I when the Jays were going to play there, I was so excited for them. You know, I thought, well, it's <laughs> going to be fantastic. And then, of course, the state of Pennsylvania decided to shut that down very quickly, which I think was probably the right decision. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, but I think it's interesting because you, you had a, you know, an experience, so to speak, that should have happened here, didn't happen here, but you did end up at Sportsnet for a time. At, yes, Sportsnet was owned by, um, by CTV at the time. Right. And so I worked at Sportsnet, um, and we shared the same, like, makeup room with TSN and the CFTO guys. In fact, every night for about two years, I had dinner with Lloyd Robertson, the great anchor, yep. and Dave Duvall, the legendary Toronto weatherman. What a what an absolute legend he was. Yes. Yeah. And the reason I had dinner with him is because we would go for our dinner breaks at the same time. I had to do four shows a night. When I started at Sportsnet, I did the Atlantic show, which included Montreal and Quebec, at 6 p.m. Eastern. Immediately following that, at 6.30, I did the Toronto, the rest of Ontario version for Sportsnet. And then we took an hour off for dinner. And then I did the Western Sportsnet West show for, uh, I guess, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. And then... Oh my God! We did a show for Sportsnet Pacific, which would we would have done at nine six thirty. Let me think about this. Nine thirty. I forget what time. <laughs> I think it was nine thirty. We did it at nine thirty Eastern, which was six thirty Pacific. Were so you... I did four shows a night. <laughs> and all we basically did was change the lead story right. on each show, but we still had to do the entire rest of the show. Oh my gosh! And at, at, at the time, were you thinking, take me back to the one half hour on Sportsline that I was doing with Jim? Oh, I know it was, and, and you know what else? I didn't like. I didn't sign up for that. I wasn't told that that's the way it was going to be. They sort of decided on the fly, right? That they had to make, they couldn't just make one national show. They had to make regional shows for the four regional channels. But that was sort of their thing, right, Mark? Their 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 selling point in those days was the fact that they did have the regional feeds and that. This country, as you know, as you alluded to, what's important to people in Regina is not what's important to people in Toronto. And so it kind of made sense on paper. But, yes, it also sounds completely exhausting. <laughs> well, actually, the, the problem was the western region because the western region is Calgary, Edmonton, Regina, Winnipeg. And that's too much because now you're fighting over what your lead should be. Yes, right. On those four cities. That's such a great point. I mean... Uh, Albertans could care less about Saskatchewan sports and vice versa. It's, no kidding, eh? That's the way we are in the East. We don't care about the West. That's right. It's absolutely true. And all, yeah, I mean, but when you were there, because Sportsnet has gone through so many management changes in their 20-plus years, when you were there, what was the vibe? What was the vibe like? Everybody was scared. <laughs> I mean, if they didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Uh, the, the news director at the time had, had no sports knowledge at all. He had, he had dropped, a, um, a, dropped a, an application, a job application, on Scott Moore's desk 
like on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock. And then somebody got fired. The news director got fired at Sportsnet and Scott had to hire somebody. <laughs> he didn't know anyone. I think he just chose this guy, like literally picked his name out of a hat. And this guy ended up being my boss. He knew nothing about sports. And wow. So that's not a good start, right? He wanted, and what he wanted us to do, he said, let's do what TSN's doing, but better. And I go, well, how do we do it better? They've got experienced producers, experienced bankers, experienced reporters. They've got people that have been there for years. How are we going to do it better? I said, why don't we do something different from that? Right? Different. No, no, no. We've got to do what they're doing. Anyway, it was a miserable failure. Miserable. Who was there you be, with you? You be Rod time. Smith. You be Michael Landsberg. You be Vic Browder. <laughs> Wait, was this when uh, the anchors, when they were dressing in, like, jeans and stuff? You didn't have to dress in jeans, did you, Mark? Oh, God. You know what? Now that you mentioned the clothing there, clothing was a huge deal. And the sets were just a huge... They spent more money on clothing and sets yeah. and, and analysts and advisors. and Oh, my God. It was a weird time. I remember it. Um, I remember it too because I believe that's when I kind of started anchoring here. And I remember, you know, you'd see your friends from Sportsnet in the Niner Diner, and right, every TSN Sportsnet guys. But the thing, uh, you know, again, we've kind of alluded to this on previous podcasts. Everyone's kind of worked together probably at some point over the course of their career, so there isn't as much animosity as I think people. I think sometimes I think people want there to be animosity, but you kind of know everybody, so there's no, there isn't that much animosity, or maybe there is. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's more behind the scenes. When I worked at Global, uh, the TSN studios on Wesley Street were literally across the train tracks. Right, right. And they didn't have a cafeteria in their building, and we did in the Global building. So we would see these people. These were, and and these were our rivals. Not so much Global News. But Global Sports and Sportsline, our rivals were TSN. We had a late-night sports show. They had a late-night sports show. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so they'd come into the cafeteria, and there'd be that kind of vibe, like, oh, John Wells. <laughs> 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 but here's the best part. You'll love this one, Jay. You'll love this. We had an assignment editor who, who had a spouse that worked at TSN. And this assignment editor came into Global one day with the TSN backpack. Oh, boy. And Taddy, I'll never forget this. Taddy sees this and goes, what's that? And you can see he's just, he's angry. <laughs> what, what, what's that? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a tote bag, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, like, get that out of here. Like, do you have any idea? You know, that's, that's TSN. That's the enemy. We're sportsmen. What the hell? You don't bring that in here. It was great. <laughs> I can't imagine Jim getting upset about that kind of thing, but then I kind of like that about about Jim. I like that he yeah. took it that seriously, you know? Well, yeah, and it was. It was a slap in the face. Like, come on, dude, you should be wearing a global, you know, global logo stuff or nothing. But don't be wearing TSN stuff. Come on. Imagine, imagine if somebody walked into, when you were at TSN, somebody walked in with a global sports line tote bag. What would have happened? I got to tell you, a lot of people would want that, that tote bag because... <laughs> That's a pretty cool looking tote bag. Gotcha. <laughs> um, now, take take me. Can we talk about the CH? Uh, yeah. The time in CH. I thought the format, and I'm being sincere, I thought the format was really good for you personally. I I liked the idea of you. It was almost like um, it was almost ahead of its time in a way. Would that is that? 
correct assessment in some ways? At, at CHCA? Yeah, it was fun to do also. And let's face it, I mean, when you've got sports issues brewing in the era of Twitter, which is quite different than when we were doing Sportsline in the 80s and 90s, you know, it's a whole different vibe. By the time you go to air, there's tons of stuff that's gone on, right? That's, right. And that news has been generated by social media. You didn't have to go out and do anything. It came to you. Do you think that kind of sh like you hosting that kind of show could work now? Like, I feel like it could work now. Oh, yeah. yeah. The whole thing, as you know, is you have to you have to put it out there and post it. And it has to be seen quite close to the time that it was recorded. If it's not, not what you and I are doing now, you could run any time. Right. There's no time. It's not time sensitive. So I felt that if people wanted to stay up late to watch a show like they did with Sportsline and like they do with you guys, you know, that's appointment viewing. Um, having said that, I watch you guys in the morning. And I know a lot of people that never stayed up to watch Sportsline. They recorded it on VHS or beta. And then the next morning, somebody would, uh, you know, take the tape into the office or they'd watch it at breakfast. And the best story I ever heard was Steve Eisen told me that. He couldn't get Sportsline because he lived in a part of Detroit where you couldn't pick up the signal from Windsor. Yeah. <laughs> but, but one of the, uh, both the assistant coaches, Colin Campbell and Dave, Lu Dave Lewis, I think, yeah, both lived in Windsor. And what they would do is they would each record it on VHS. Wow. And the next morning, before practice, while the guys were on the bike and doing their stretching, they'd pop these into the VHS machine, and the Red Wings would watch all the highlights from the night before that we had on Sportsman. That is fantastic. Yeah, I just I love that. That's pretty cool. That is a great story. I, because I think, you know, it becomes, you know, you said, you saw the writing on the wall. You saw where, you know, sports media was going back then, back in the late 90s. And I think for Dan and myself, it was sort of the same, we had the same feeling, like we're not attractive, we're not good broadcasters, but we get along really well and we have some sort of weird chemistry, so maybe we go with that. You know, and, and it kind of works. Like it becomes less almost about the content because, you know, as you've alluded to, you can get the content anywhere now and more about you like the people you're watching on TV. You like, uh, you like the chemistry. You like watching uh, these two guys together. And I think that's how everyone felt about, about you and Jim as well, right? I mean, there was probably a million places, even, even at that time, there were places they could have got the information, but they just loved the chemistry you guys had. Yeah, and you see, that, that's where there was pressure because, you, you know, after a while, the chemistry tends to wear out, you know, like a marriage. We were both going through marital situations right i hope jim doesn't mind if it's true i mean he was getting a, he was getting a divorce or had gotten divorced whatever and you know that's going to play with your personal life as well yep. plus you're working late at night right so if your kids are up during the day you're not seeing you know certainly not putting them to bed yeah uh, but beyond that i think after a while when someone says to you hey you know we love the show you guys are great and they're funny and all that Sometimes in the back of your mind, you say, I'd like to be known for more than just that. And right. for me, I really wanted to do play-by-play. -play. But I also wanted to be a good interviewer. And I wanted to be a good journalist. And I wanted to be a good writer. I wanted to be a good all-round sports caster, as opposed to being just a sports personality. And so, you know, when someone introduces you and said, well, this is so-and-so, and this is what they do for a living... So I didn't want to be necessarily, oh, this is Hebsey, and he's the guy that makes you laugh on television doing sports bloopers. And so when you realize that at the age of, you know, like 40, you say, I think I kind of like to pursue that part. I'd like to try that. I'd like to do play-by-play, -play, which I did. I'd like to do interviews, 
which I did. The only thing is I did interviews between periods of hockey games with sweaty hockey players. And you're not going to be good. You can be, the, you can be Mike Wallace. You're not getting anything out of a sweaty hockey player between periods. Nope. And so, you know, some of it was success and some of it was failure, but I wanted to try to be the most well-rounded broadcaster or broadcast journalist, broadcast journalist personality that I could be. And now you've gotten into the podcast game. Do you like the podcast game? Yeah. Yeah? Because that, that gives you a chance to have, do a long-form interview and, and show those skills that you're just talking about. But as you know, Jay, you just if you're naturally inquisitive like you and I are, it's not something you have to work on. If, you're not, if you really want to know about Don Taylor stuff, you're going to ask him, Right. And he's going to answer you honestly and in a format where it's relaxed. So I think it's fantastic. I think it's what people want to hear. They want to hear people at ease uh, and talking about something that they, they're passionate about, knowledgeable about. And I think that's, yeah, I agree with you. I, I couldn't agree more. You work with uh, our buddy Toronto Mike. Um, yeah. What a man. What a, what a guy. I mean, He's great. And let me tell you, he works hard. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll give them that. There's a lot of people that I know of that never really had formal broadcast education. And I'm not going to take a shot at the College of Sports Media because they do teach excellent sports media, sports media skills, yep. of which some of it is journalism. I don't know how much of it has been studied. But it's sort of a like a factory. Like, you, you know, you don't need to, Like, I went to community college, and then I worked in radio for a number of years in small towns. And got my chops, learned how to be a broadcaster, learned how to be a writer and editor, learned how to cover fires and, and uh, police calls and, and junior hockey games and hog farm reports. But I wanted to be an accomplished broadcaster. So when I came to a big city like Toronto, I was prepared. And I think nowadays, it's sort of like, let's pick this kid right out of school and just put him on the air. It's true. Polish him up a little bit for but, her. But you know what, and, Mark? The problem, yeah. I think one of the problems is... It's like we're bringing this interview full circle. For me to be able to go out of Ryerson and go to Saskatoon and work on a half hour, like host a half hour highlight show was the great, I mean, it was incredible. It was like such incredible experience. And I was out, you know, covering the WHL and doing all that stuff that you're talking about. But I had this platform that I could do it. Now that those shows are gone... Uh, and not just those shows, just stations themselves are, are dying everywhere, right? I mean, there's just, it seems like even though the internet has all these opportunities for you to just start your own YouTube channel, start your own podcast, that's all well and good. But the thing about what you're talking about, the way we did it with radio and everything in those days, the, maybe the, there weren't as many avenues to do it, but the avenues that were there were maybe a little more heavily scrutinized. And if you weren't cutting it, you just weren't cutting it. And I do agree with you in that sense. I, I, I used to be able to tell young people that if they just were willing to move anywhere for that first job, they were going to succeed, it, like anywhere, like on air. If, they, if you were willing to move to uh, anywhere across the country just for that first on-air job, you're going to be just fine because that first one is the hardest, and then you'll move up from there. Now I, I don't know if I can necessarily say that because I just don't know how many of those places exist anymore. Well, they don't. They, they don't exist at all. You saw recently Global um, basically eliminated their entire sports department. Right. 
you know, it's sort of, a, it's like the Walmart thing and the Amazon thing. You know, I hate to say it, Jay, but TSN and Sportsnet have a stranglehold on any sports properties. Any local station even wants to think of doing sports, why why bother? And if you do, you may as well just take the feed or pay Sportsnet or TSN to do sports updates for you. Yeah, and it's that's true. what's happening in in our business. And, and listen, I've done almost 200 podcasts. Um Hebsy on sports. I talk about sports that I want to talk about. I talk about the Leafs and the Argos, not so much the Argos, the Leafs and the Raptors. <laughs> I don't talk about the Winnipeg Jets, and I don't talk about the Calgary Stampeders much at all, maybe the Montreal Canadiens, but any issues that are going on in sports, too. And I think that sometimes people want sports delivered differently because there are so many different ways of getting it. I mean, if I want to go for a run and I want to listen to an hour yeah. of sports talk, I have many choices. Whereas before, I would have to get to my television for 11 o'clock at night to get the highlights or 11.30. And just like, so we're, take, we're, we're consuming stuff so differently. And I, I'll be honest, I love all the different formats. I love listening to your podcast you know, every so often. I look at the thing, oh, guess what? He's got, uh, got Hal Johnson on. He's got Don Taylor on. I'm going li- to give this a listen. I would have never had that choice before. That's true. I like that. I like that you're embracing the new mediums, Mark. <laughs> and as you know... Jay, uh, Don Cherry, Bob McCowan, Nick Kiprios, um, three big, big names who yep. are very high-paid television personalities uh, whose you know, bosses are not paying those salaries anymore. Uh, they all, you know, Don's done a podcast. I don't know how well it's doing or how often it's on. Uh, McCowan did a YouTube thing. I don't know, again, how often or what it's doing. And Kiprios started his own show as well. So, yeah, I mean, I wish them the best of luck. It's not easy to no. make money uh, doing a podcast or a vodcast or a YouTube thing or whatever. It's not the easiest thing in the world, and sponsors are very reticent. You have to get the right sponsor who understands how um, this medium works. And that's a perfect time to shout out McDonald's, Mark. <laughs> you got it. If they don't pay, you've got no podcast, man. We and we might not have a, a TV show either. And all those guys you mentioned, you know, that's the that's the issue with there only being a couple of of broadcasters sort of controlling all all the sports media in the country, right? Is that if you if you're Don and you you're out at one, um, chances are the other one probably doesn't want you either, and and you're kind of out of luck. You know, the, it's, man, we could talk about this for so long, but I think I, we, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up because I got to go do this TV show now. But I really have enjoyed this. Oh, and I want, you mentioned you wanted to be a good writer and you've been writing books too. Uh, that's my last question for you. Do you like writing books? Do you actually like the process? Uh, no, no. No. But this, the story that I wrote, the greatest athlete you've never heard of, I had to write because I could not believe that I had never heard of this guy. I was, uh, my ego got the best of me. How could I not know the name of George Washington Orton, the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal? How had I never heard of him before? How did that get by me? And so that was my mission, Jay, find out about this. What I found out was unbelievable. I can't believe this guy was a Canadian and was completely overlooked. So there's no books. There was hardly anything. You have to use like, you have to use like the reference library, microfiche, yeah. phone calls, you know, wow. hire private investigators. But, Excuse me, you ever heard of this fellow before? Nope, nope, never heard of him. Wow. I love that. Well, I'm with you on the on the book writing. It's um it's just it's work. Yeah, it's right. 
right? It's work. What's all that about? Yeah, well, but that's what I mean. Like we, you know, we take our job seriously and we, and we love doing what we do, but, you know, for a lot of us, we just loved sports and the idea of, you know, you'd see someone on TV hosting a sports show and you're like, geez, that looks like a hell of a lot of fun. And it is. Um, whereas writing a book is really hard work. <laughs> very lonely existence. And a very lonely existence. That is a very good point. It's a solitary. It's solitary work. Um, so we can, we can get your podcast. Your book is available. Um, and you and I have to get together and, and have a coffee and hang out because we've been talking about doing that uh, for a long time, ever since you, you, uh, we bumped into each other in a grocery store a few years ago in line. I saw you. I saw you on Dundas Street a couple weeks ago. Oh, did you? Was I yeah, going? I didn't into, want, what was I going to do? Did you up on my bike and scare you? Oh, you should have. Was I going into a weed shop or something? Uh, yeah, one of the new ones there. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, the other thing too is if I go in and they, and the guy points to me and goes, "Hey, are you?" Uh, yeah, I am. As a matter of fact, what are you going to do about? It? Yeah, I know. Whereas before, you have to like, you know, I have to wear a costume. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. This is one thing that I really appreciate about uh, about the new world order. You're doing good though, um, and um, and you're you're okay. Life's good. You're happy. I am. Thank you. You know, I I work hard. I think I saved enough that I can uh, have a pretty good rest of the life. I'm sort of semi-retired. I love that. Uh, and I understand the way the business is, and I, I don't hold grudges, and I don't you know say, hey, how come I can't get a job? I'm really not looking for that. I kind of went through that already, and it's a tough time for the industry. So you got to reinvent yourself, which I like doing. I like Catch that. Yourself. I like that attitude, Mark. It was awesome talking to you. Thanks so much for joining uh, joining me on this one. And uh, yeah, let's hang out at one of those Dundas weed shops sometime. You got it, brother. Okay, take care, Mark Hebsher. There he is. What a wonderful person, legend. So generous with his time. That was a long one we just did there. Um, and we should mention next week, we are going to have on Jermaine Franklin, whom we've never had on the podcast before. Uh, Calgary Flames uh, correspondent. Calgary, we should mention TSN Calgary bureau chief for many, many years. But Jermaine is uh, about to join us here in Toronto. Jermaine's born and raised in Toronto. He's about to return to Toronto to be our newest host on SportsCenter, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful thing and well-deserved. So we're going to talk to Jermaine next week about his career and what he's done and all the fun things that are going on. Um, and that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to hopefully next week we will uh, be in an audio booth or something. We'll get the audio uh, work done. But I hope you enjoyed that chat with Mark, because I know I did. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. And have a terrific week. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. They're going home.
You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up. And he's like profusely sweating. <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us. He goes, hello. I am not well. I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.